his mother passed away in Rosh Hashanah, and this is in her memory. Um, so, just for you, you to know, she's have an Ilu in Neshama. I want to deal with, with uh, uh, I think it's a very interesting subject. All, all the stories in Bereshit are, are challenging. Um, but we have two stories in this week's parasha. And one is more easy to understand than the second. Uh, the story of the Mabul is pretty straightforward. The verses are very, very exacting on what the sin was and uh, what the punishment is. Uh, we know about the ark, we know about Nah going into the ark, and we know about his, his children, Shem, Ham, and Yafet, and so on and so forth. There is a story right at the end of the Pacha uh, about Migdal Babel, about the Tower of Babel, which is very, very difficult to understand what the problem is. In fact, we are forced to look at the punishment on the assumption that the punishment fits the crime, uh, to try and understand what the, what the transgression was, because the picture being painted at the beginning of that parsha seems utopian. We are told at the beginning of the parsha that everyone has the same language. Uh, we don't stop talking about that. I think you must have heard something about that every week for most of your adult life. Unity, the importance of unity, of, uh, of a people coming together and being together that we are one people and the need to unify in, in not just in our country but in any country in the world the need for unity is uh, is stressed all the time so when we're told at the beginning of Perek Yud Aleph in Bereshit that call everyone is Safa Echad everyone is talking the same language everyone is, is Echad we don't quite understand what the problem is uh, and we're not given uh, any other indication except for that they want to build this tower and, and create a shame for themselves, a name for themselves. That's the only indication, the only implication there's something going on. And all we really do know is what the punishment is. And the punishment is that they're going to be scattered. Now, it's important to notice here that if you read the Psukim properly, you'll notice that they were scattered beforehand. If you read the Psukim properly, you'll see in the previous parent we're already told that they were... They were, they, were, they were scattered as, uh, around the world. And either you say there's no chronological order or, or something strange is going on. I want to look at two particular attempts at understanding Migdal Babel, and then I would like to add my own. Okay? So we're going to start with Rabbi Yaakov Meidan. Rabbi Meidan is uh, Rosh Hashiva in Haritzion. And he writes as follows. He asked the question that I've already asked. We don't know what the sin is of the Tower of Babel. It only tells us what the initiative was. Let's make ourselves a name. Uh, and that's it. We see it. The problem seems to be the city itself. But Chazal say the problem was the building of the tower. After God sees the city and he sees the tower, the Pasuk says, Hashem, and listen to the words, it's very strange. It's something we pray for and something we discover God isn't so happy with it. They are one people. 
ושפה אחת, הנהברן לשון, וזה החילה מעשות, and this is what they're doing, ואתה לא יבלסם עם כל אשר יזמו לעשות, they're not going to be able to do what they want to do, הווה נרדם ונבלה שם שפתם אשר לא ישמעו איש שפת ראיהו, we're going to mix up their languages so that they do not understand each other. What is so wrong with people being united? What is, what is, what is the critique here? The Midrash Tanchoma, in the Midrash we're told, that their purpose was to reach the sky, reach the heavens, and this Rashi, uh, you've probably heard before, אמרו לא כל הימינו שיבוא לו העליונים וייתן לנו התחתונים נעלה לרקיע ונקר בקרדומות. We will reach, we will reach the heavens and we will fight the heavens. What does that mean? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it means. In, in, in a more elaborate understanding we understand from the psukim that the people were very good at making bricks. And, and they were so good at making bricks they wanted to build a tower. They didn't think further than that. When they wanted to tell, they wanted something further. It could be that their, their fight against heaven was who is, who is ruler on earth? Who controls? Who fixes the reality on earth? Not, not a physical going up to the clouds and using a bow and arrow against Shamayim. <laughs> Maybe the Migdal is, is, a, is a tower where you go up to fight from. If the head of this tower, the top of the tower is in Shamayim, there's a lot of metaphors, ladies, here. You're, you're, you're too young to remember, but uh, that trade center, though, that was a tower that reached Shamayim. That reached Shamayim, that tower, and, and it, it, it symbolized the power and strength, financial power and strength, of the Western world for everyone. It wasn't necessarily the only place of financial power, but it certainly represented a migdal, bashamayim, the power. When you walk in Manhattan and you're not, you're not an Americano, uh, the, the, what impresses you about Manhattan is, is the power. It's not the architecture. It's a very new town compared to Europe. It's not the architecture. There are architectural buildings in Manhattan, but that's not what impresses you when you walk in Manhattan. It's the size and the power that it represents. The power, human power, it does. It represents that. So we have a, a story of Nimrod, which if you learn Russia, you've seen, that Nimrod also marad, rebelled against God, and there was a semi-flood in the days of Nimrod. You're learning Russia on this week's Parsha, you would have seen it, where a third of the world was, uh, was flooded, and they, they should have learned from that first flood. Babel Nimrod. Babel was Nimrod, coming from Merit. He was rebelling against God. We have to look. What is the actual sin here? And... Rav Meidan is very, very uh, creative in his parashanut. 
המרד בריבונו של עולם מקבל מימד נוסף לעוד מדרש אחר, וזה נאדר מדרש, זה מדרש שזה וירד השם לראות את העיר ואת המגדל אשר בנו בני אדם. God went down כביכול to see this tower that men had made. אשר בנו בני אדם, אמר רב ברכיה, בנו את האדם קדמה, בניו של האדם הראשון. This was a tower built by man's first children. חז"ל מעזבים על כך שאנשי דור הפלגה היו חומץ בין חומץ. It was bad coming from bad, בניו של האדם הראשון שחטפו כלפי הקדוש ברוך הוא. They sinned just like their father had sinned. Just like Adam had sinned, they sinned as well. We still don't know how. השוואה הזו בין בוני המגדל לבין אדם ראשון רמוזה בלשון הכתוב. What is the allusion to? ויאמר השם אלוקים, God says in Bereshit, הן האדם היה כאחד ממנו לדעת טוב. Man has eaten from the tree, he will be like one of us. Bear with me. To know good or bad, and maybe he's going to eat from the tree of life, and he'll live forever. So God sent him out of Gan Eden. They are one people, and this is what they started to do. What is the one that is disturbing here? As I said before, one is normally something that we are excited by, unity. So what is the one that we are disturbed by? מדוע חשש הקדוש ברוך הוא מעוצמתו של האדם היודע טוב ורב לאחר שחמץ אדם? What was God כביכול worried about when this one man has started to do something? פן ישלח ידו, maybe he will become corrupt ומשחיה לעולם, הרי הוא קרוב לעטות הבריות אחריו ולומר אף הוא אלוה. Man could perhaps lead people after him and make them follow you. Go a bit further. Chashash Tomek Hayam Lagabe Anshei Do HaPlaga Habonim Migdal Barosho Bashamayim They are building a tower and its tower is meant to go to Shamayim Chashash Malkam Shel Elu Nimrod Yeshev Lo Barosh HaMigdal We're not talking about unity. We're talking about dictatorship. That one person will be leading everyone. That's not unity. When people study the Soviet Union, they talk about communism, but it wasn't communism. It was never communism. It was Stalinism. Stalin had nothing to do with equality. He had nothing to do with communism. The ideal of communism as taught by Lenin, by Marx, by Trotsky. Stalin was a, a sadist. He was a selfish masochist. He was a terrible, terrible man. It wasn't Am Echad. It was a people being led by one person. A people who didn't have choice. Who weren't able to express themselves. <laughs> And that one person will rule over people. He's talking about a commune coming together where everyone is actively equal and working together. It's about one man ruling himself over everyone else. Everyone has to speak the same language and everyone is one. You've all read George Orwell's 1984, right? You've all read George Orwell's Animal Farm, yeah. right? Everyone is equal, but some people are more equal than others. 
עולה מדברנו בעקבות חז"ל שמידר בראשו בשמיים, אין לו לשון גוזמה, אלא אנשי אותו דור רצו ממש להגיע לשמיימה. They wanted to read שמיים, but are they stupid? אז למעשה השמיים אינם יריעת תכלת, אני חושב, אי שמיים. Reaching the heavens, we're not talking about the sky. בכל מקום במקרה השמיים הם קו עננים. We're talking about the cloud line, המקום שבו עובר קו הרקיע, where the heavens start, והם מהווים את הגבול שבין המים העליונים לבין המים התחתונים. בתחילת הפרשה אנו קוראים קייסר עם סיום בני אדם את הלבנה ואת החומר, they made לבינה וחומר, they started to make bricks. המצאה הזו אישרה להם לבנות בתים גבוהים יותר מאיכותים יותר. They were able to build better buildings. בניית מגדל המגיע עד לקו העננים אינה משימה בלתי אפשרית. Building a building that high wasn't impossible. יש לשער שראשו המגדל, שבראש המגדל אמורה הייתה להיות מרפסת. That there would be a balcony at the top of this tower. ובי יכול היה נמרוד לשבת ולהשקיף על סון מריטו. And Nimrod would stand on that balcony and wave to people. He would be the ruler. And they would all look up to Nimrod, to this dictator. You've seen those pictures, right? You've seen those pictures of January the 30th, 1933, with Adolf Hitler standing on the balcony, and everyone marching by and saluting Adolf Hitler. A country that by 1934 didn't have anyone of power except for one person. He was president, he was chancellor. One Reich, one people, one Fuhrer. There was no law, there was no ministry. One person, and everyone's looking to that one person, the country will live or die on that one person. Will live or die on that one person. And it died on that person. And he's up there, with the sun behind him, המשמעות של ישיבה כזו הוא לחלוטין אלוהיות, it's turning a man into a god. You have to read the rhetoric, ladies. You cannot believe the rhetoric, what people were prepared to do for this man. You cannot believe it. In 1943, when Joseph Goebbels spoke in the sports plaza in Berlin, and Germany was losing the war, it was after Stalingrad. Germany was losing the war, it was a war with America, with Russia, with England. They were losing the war. And there's footage of this film. And Joseph Goebbels is standing there telling the people, do you want complete war? And everyone's saying, yes. They destroyed Hamburg, they destroyed Cologne, they destroyed Dresden, they destroyed everything. There's nothing left. And the people are screaming, we want war. Do you want total war? They scream, yes. You can see this on YouTube. Total War, Paul, Total War, Joseph Goebbels. You can see this, this was filmed. And Joseph Goebbels, after that speech, you've heard this so many times from your teachers, from your parents, but he actually said it, Joseph Goebbels. He said, had I asked the people in that sports plaza that night to go to the top of a building and jump off, they would have done it. Which is what they did, metaphorically, it's what they did. They committed suicide, national suicide. There was one man at the top, one megalomania at the top, And says Rabbi Dan, that's what's going on. Vachen, anu makirin tiyorim me'ein, enu me'malak. And we see this in history, where one man puts himself at the top of the Migdal. The people aren't one, they're following one. Melachim shonim malchu akol ha'olam, v'nisu b'shlafim s'vim l'ansiach et shmam l'malchut olam. The people took over the world and tried to make themselves eternal leaders. 
gods. In Kilo Bemsong, Bidala Bemsong, Tetralogna, if they didn't use a, a building, they used propaganda. Anyway, it is that makes me be the ruler over other people. That's what happened in Moscow. You go to, if you ever been to Moscow, right? They're still buried there in these, uh, in these, uh, in the tombs of Lenin. When I was, I was caught once by the KGB. I was doing something in, in Russia, and I, I, I was interviewed by the KGB, and uh, I was. I'm sure your parents went to Russia, but, but I, I actually got in trouble and I got caught by the KGB. And they asked me where I'd been in Russia. And I couldn't tell them where I'd been because I'd been doing stuff that, that you weren't allowed to do. And uh, so I told them I went to the Lenin Memorial. I was in Kishinev. I didn't even know where there was. Kishinev's in the Ukraine, right? But it's part of the Soviet Union at the time. It's in the south of the Ukraine. Uh, and I told them I'd been to the Lenin Memorial. Because I knew there had to be a Lenin Memorial. I'd never been there. I'd know it, but there had to be a Lenin Memorial. They turned themselves into some eternal gods. And, and it's happened with, with Mao Zedong in, in, in communism. And it's happened in North Korea. The people aren't one. There is one leader at the top. That the unity that we're talking about, which is so bad that God needs to destroy, is we're not talking about one people. We're talking about Am Shel Echad. We're talking about the people that belongs to one person. And the purpose of the tower was for this person to lord over everyone else. It's a very creative and interesting parashanot. But I, I'm not convinced that it's, it's, that it's an important message. Right? We, we have suffered by this many, many times. And many politicians have suffered themselves, convincing themselves that they are indestructible and that nothing can touch them. And that has been brought, they kind of brought Hitler down as well when he, he actually believed he was a messiah of some kind. But I want you to see what Rabbi Sachs writes. Rabbi Sachs does something here which I want to do as well, if we have enough time. Rabbi Sachs points out that, that we have, I mentioned this earlier in the Strife for Truth, uh, and I really believe this, that, and I mentioned it also briefly with my little Natibot Shalom Chabura, that, that, we, uh, that when we're learning Bereshit, we're not learning about God, we're learning about human beings. We're not going to understand God ever, because God is God. That's not our business to understand God. Our business is to understand human beings. When I, when I go to Poland every year, and I'm going, please God, with parents in two weeks, um, I don't want to talk about God. I have no answers. I, I, I have no, and, I, and I can't stand it when people try and give answers. It only desecrates God's names and the dead's names. It just desecrates everyone. I, I can't understand God. I want to talk about human beings. It goes about human beings. Uh, and here we're, we're learning Torah to understand ourselves, uh, and as I mentioned in that shir, technology, technology has changed, but nothing else has changed. Human nature has not changed. So we want to look at the Pasha as two major events, even though, as far as Sukkim are concerned, they are totally uneven and unequal, because... Until Shishi, we're talking about Dora Mabul, really. We're talking about the generation of the Mabul. And it's only the last Pasha that we talk about Migdal Babel. So it's not, it's not equal. But you cannot ignore the, the, the fact that the Pasha has two major events, the Mabul and Dora Plaga. 
And Rabbi Sachs does something here which I think is phenomenal. Rabbi Sachs is your site next week, I think. And next Sunday, I think it's Rabbi is your site. Tonight's Rosh Chodesh, right? So I, I think it's next week or the, or the week after. Um, what, what was the problem? Again, go back a couple of decades to the period that I grew up in. There, there were two philosophies in the world, on paper, not in reality, on paper. The one philosophy that was foreign to us, that we didn't really know what it was, was communism. But in those days, if you watch any films from the 70s and from the 80s, it's all about that the evil guy was, was Russia. Russia was always the evil guy, and it seems to be the evil guy again. Uh, but in a much greater and more horrific way, those of you who've learned American history know how close uh, President Kennedy came to nuclear war with the Cuba crisis, and some people will even claim that that was his come down, that that was what was behind his assassination, if any of you were involved in conspiracy cases or whatever. But communism was one ideology, and capitalism was another. It was really Russia and America. England was somewhere in the middle, right? Because England was a welfare state. England wasn't totally capitalist, pre-Thatcher, wasn't totally capitalist. There was a welfare state in England, um, something that I don't think Americans could appreciate, but I didn't appreciate till I met Americans, was that if I needed a pair of glasses at the age of 12, I got a pair of glasses for free from the government. I know you still have that, but, but I, 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 well, I went to university for free. That, that I know you don't have anymore, but, but and, and if I needed to go to the doctor, I didn't fill up a form, I just went to the doctor. I was a member of the National Health. Okay, it's not so debatable. Okay, uh, I was a member of the National Health, and I, and I went to the doctor. And if I had to go to hospital, God forbid, I went to hospital. I didn't have to pay. It was amazing to me the first time I met Americans that it doesn't work that way. If you can't pay, die. I don't know. You've got a problem, right? You can't pay. You're in and if you want to go to college, it's not the country of dreams for everyone. It's the country of dreams for people who have a lot of money or are very clever or they've got a basketball and they get a scholarship to go to college. But if you're poor, you're in a lot of problems. You can't go to the colleges. You know how much colleges cost. But let's start with communism. No, let's start with capitalism. What is the beauty of capitalism? Bear with me, ladies, it's not a long shift. What is the beauty of capitalism? Self-expression. You can dream, and you can be whatever you want to be. It's all about you. That's what capitalism is. It, it is, on the negative side, survival of the fittest. But, but it gives you the option to do what you dream to do. What is the negative side of capitalism? It's selfish. By definition, it does not look after weaker people. You have to create... I have no idea what Obamacare was, but I think it was the idea there was to try and fill a, a hole in the system, right? The people... People who, I think that's, it was healthcare, right? The, the people who can't afford it, they need help. I, something like that. I don't know whether it worked or didn't work. I, I'm not interested in, in the actual politics. But, but the fact is that there's a lacuna in the system. The system does not look after weak people. It doesn't. And so the self-expression is wonderful. But it's selfish. What is the flip side? What was communism in, by definition? Communism, by definition, I'm not talking about Stalin. 
By definition, ideal communism, if you've ever been, is a kibbutz. Old kibbutz, not today. There's a lot of privacy and pri private enterprise in kibbutz today. But in the old day kibbutz, I lived on kibbutz. I made aliyah to kibbutz and I love kibbutz. Uh, I didn't stay there because my, my wife didn't want to stay there, but, but I, I love kibbutz. I love the idea of being a community together. Um, everyone did what they were good at and, and uh, we're all together. So, so someone was in charge of all the washing of all the kibbutz, someone was in charge of all the cooking of the kibbutz. I, 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 I was going to be a rabbi on the kibbutz and I, I was preparing myself with smichat. Everyone had their job on the kibbutz. And, and it, it's selfless. I thought this was the most fantastic place for a child to grow up. It's in a place where everyone's helping. Every Friday night, I had to go to the refet. I had Torah, not with the cows. And I had to go every Friday night. That was my job. But everyone on Shabbos had to do something for the community. I milk cows. Uh, in the way that you're allowed to milk cows on Shabbat. And I love the, I love the, the community aspect. What is the failing of communism? There is no... There is no expression of the individual. There is no such thing. And in, in the classic kibbutz scenario, if you wanted to do a course or you wanted to do uh, a program somewhere, you had to get an issue from the kibbutz. And if they didn't give you permission, you couldn't do it. And there was no self-expression at all. There are two extremes. Absolute community or no community at all. And both extremes are bad. Well, Rabbi Sachs says something phenomenal here. He says, what was the problem with Dor HaMabu? The Dor HaMabu was capitalism par excellence. It was totally about me. Corruption. It, it, I just need, I want this and I'm going to have it. It's something that I think people find very hard. One of the biggest challenges, I think, in the year, once you get over the overwhelming element of learning, is living in a community and, and understanding what that means. Because living in a community, ladies, means that you, you do stuff you don't always want to do. Why? Because other people do stuff that you do want to do. That's how a community runs. If you don't want to play the community work, nothing works. Someone will ask me, for example. It's all part of the education. I don't get enough time to explain our educational philosophy, but here's an opportunity. Someone, why should I come to something on Shabbat if I don't want to? I'll tell you why, because you're part of a community. And there are things that you want to do that other people don't want to do. And they come to that, so you come to this. I was once in our shul, you ever come to Allah's shul for Shabbat, you see they have a, a bar mitzvah, a, a, a chasen or whatever, and they start dancing after l'chadodi. So I'm standing with my son, one of my sons, and I say, come on, let's go dance. And my son says, no, it's many years ago. My son says, no, I don't want to dance. I said, tell me, when's your bar mitzvah? He says, Abba, you know when my bar mitzvah is. So I said, okay, on your bar mitzvah, do you want them to dance? So he says, yes. He says, and now you dance. There's no reason why they should dance for you if you, dance, you won't dance for them. That's what community is. I mean, to, you do things that you don't always want to do because you're part of a community. You, you're part of a That's what it is. But Dora Mabul isn't about that. Dora Mabul is about corruption and promiscuity and murder. What are these things? These are things where I'm only interested in myself. I'll kill someone because I want a piece of gold. I'll kill someone. I'll take someone's life because I want money. I'll kill someone for money. Money for me is more important than that person's neshama. I'll kill them for it. Or promiscuity. I'll take their wife. I'll ruin a family. I'll break up this family. Destroy the children's future. Because I want her and she wants me. Who cares about commitment? It's all about me, 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 me. Dora Mabul is about everything.
thing that's bad about capitalism. And, and what is Migdal-Badal? Migdal-Badal is communism. It's the absolute opposite extreme. It says, let's all do it together. Let's be together. But that's also no good. The Torah's teaching is really important lessons. It is a phenomenal piece here by Rabbi Sachs because he's taken something from Parashat Noach and he's put it into the 20th and 21st century. Uh, we have these ideologies, right? And, 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 and both of them are bad. Both of them have good, but what you've got to do is take, take the self-expression from capitalism and the community from communism and put them together. Then you have Torah. What does Hillel say? If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Self-expression. But if I'm only for myself, then who am I? Communism. Put the two together, it's great. But if you, you take Dora Mabul and you take Dora Migdal Babel, in their extremes, they're a disaster. It's a disaster. You've got to, you know, when we walk away from Corona, I hope we're walking away from Corona, please God. You, you think about Tovanot, what do I learn? I, I can't tell you what God meant us to learn. But I can tell you things that, that I remember giving cheer here that. that the beginning of that second year of Corona, where we were able to have girls here, I remember getting Shimon Bereshit. And I remember the theme that came to my mind, I, I felt it was like uh, Hashra'ah. That when I read that Pasuk, right, Hashomer Achianochi, am I my brother's keeper? And you're trying to force people to wear masks. And I'm terrorizing yeshiva boys in the Rova to wear masks. My own girls were already wearing masks for most of the time, but I'm terrorizing I can't understand it. People are dying. I'm not a conspiracy person. People are dying. We have old people in the room. Wear a mask. For God's sake, wear a mask. Yes! You are your brother's keeper. It's uncomfortable. Try wearing it with a beard. I'll tell you what uncomfortable is. Wear a mask with a beard. That's uncomfortable. You shouldn't try that. For me, it was the most incredible critique of, the, of, of Western society was that we weren't able to wear masks and care for other people. It was a critique. There's so much self-expression that we forgot other people. Old people in the Rover, they were taking photos of students and sending them to us. They were petrified. This is the beginning of Corona, before vaccinations. People were dying. And people were petrified. They put on a mask. What was the big deal? It's okay. It's uncomfortable for everyone. No one's got a tour. Everyone has to wear a mask. It's like asthma or whatever. Everyone has to wear a mask. That's Dora Mabul. Everyone, I'm okay. I'm young. If I get it, I'll get over it. Yeah, but you're not the only one in the world. There are other people in the world. There are older people in the world. What about them? So they should all die and they're surviving at the fittest? It's their problem. Really? So that, that's, that's, that's Dora Mabul. But Mikdal Bavel is a different problem altogether. Mikdal Bavel is, it's just what we don't have self-expression at all. We're just following the crowd. Now that doesn't only have to be in, in communism, right? That can be in any chevra, where you're not a thinking person, where you don't speak out. When you're, where from peer pressure you just follow, you just follow what people are saying. So I think that's a brilliant piece by Rabbi Sachs. Honestly, the, the partial begins with 
with a problem of selfishness and, feel, and finishes with a problem of selflessness, right? There's, and we're looking for the medium. I have a further suggestion, which is mine. We're told when we get to Shammai and we have to give our own Kiddushin. So I have one or two. I don't have many. Um, so I suppose I better hurry up. Uh, and I want to look at this whole parsha. See, what Rashi says at the end of the parsha is that the Mabul is Ben Adam Lechavero and, and Migdab Aven is Ben Adam Lemakom. And these are two major sins, right? Migdab Aven was trying to reach Shamaim and, and, and the Mabul was corruption. And we have two issues of Ben Adam Lechavero and Ben Adam Lemakom. I, I want to suggest something else. This is what I want to suggest. And let me know what you think. You can pick holes in it, but this is what I want to suggest. If I was living at the time of Dor HaMabul, if I was one of the survivors of Dor HaMabul, I would have known that the reason that the flood came is because people didn't care about each other. And therefore, if I came out of the, the ark, what I would have as a flag on my mast would be care for others. But what happens in our world, the world that we live in, the depth and meaning of messages is rarely understood. And things have always taken a very superficial level. So this is how I want to explain what I think could have happened. The survivors of Dor HaMabul knew why the flood happened. They knew that it happened because of corruption. They knew that it happened because people hated each other. So what did they do the next day, metaphorically the next day? They decided that there will not be self-expression. Everyone speaks the same, everyone wears the same, everyone does the same, everyone is Safaicha. That's what they did. But that's not the point. There is an extraordinary comment by Rashi. I don't know whether you've ever noticed this Rashi. We have this description of everyone being united. Then Rashi says, God came and he mixed up the languages. And then he gives an example of what happened. Do you remember that, Rashi? He says, one person says, pass me a spanner. The other person doesn't understand and he passes him a hammer. So he smashes his skull. That's the Rashi. Kills him. This is my understanding. How, how does that reconcile with everyone being Safa Echad? It doesn't. So to my mind, what could have happened was this. The people thought the solution to this selfishness was to create a system. Create a system, not educate. Create a system where everyone did the same thing. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show them this isn't unity. This is uniformity. It's not unity, it's uniformity. What is the difference? The difference is this, God says, if you are united, how do you test the unity of a people? You give them a crisis. So God mixes up their languages. God mixes up their languages. Let's see what happens. If a people is united, you tell me, ladies, if a people is united, and they don't understand each other, do they smash each other's heads in? If you have someone at your table on Shabbos who say, pass me the salt, and they pass you bread, 
you knife them? <laughs> if you do, let me know, I won't be coming. But, but, uh, <laughs> you say, okay, no, you didn't understand, pass me this. What Rashi is telling us is that the people have presented themselves as united, and God wanted to show them you're not united. How do you test a good marriage? Shani, you listening? How do you test a good marriage? <laughs> not when you love each other and, and everything's good at home and everyone's happy. It's when you're in crisis. It's when you're in crisis, that's how you test a good marriage. There's a problem that you have to deal with together. And everyone deals with things in different ways. If you can do this, you, you become married people. But if you think marriage is brachas and dancing round and round, you, you've got no idea what you're getting yourself into. Because it's not always like that. No relationship is like that. Always. God said to the people, you have, you have uniformity confused with unity. Migdal Bavel is the, is the natural continuation of Dor Hamabu. It was a misunderstanding of what the problem was. The problem isn't external. We don't just speak the same language and we're one. It doesn't work like that. You know that, ladies. You have friends who you never see. You never see them, but when you see them, you're good friends. You don't have to be by each other all the time. You haven't seen them for years, and then suddenly you meet them, and it's like, I had this friend who passed away, but I, I, what happened was, he, he, I hadn't seen him for years, for like 20 years. And then my mother told me, she told me that he had um, leukemia. He lived in Israel, so I started to go and see him. Every week after Sheikh Ali, I even changed his name officially in Sheikh Ali with a certificate, and we just picked up where we left off. That's the way it was. It was we'd be friends in, in my hometown for, for 15 years, and then I came on Aliyah, he came a few years later, but we were nowhere near each other. Nowhere near each other. And we just picked up, friends are friends. You don't have to be next to each other on each other's laps all the time. Friends are friends. God is saying that unity is not about doing the same thing. Unity is about tolerance. It's about caring and respecting other people's opinions. You know, the day after, we're very, very near the, um, the anniversary of Yitzhak Rabin's murder, which took place in November and in Cheshvan, and normally in this country they, they remember it on the, on the English day and on the Hebrew day. Unfortunately, it's become more of a political event than, than remembering a, a leader of Israel. But I remember the day after Yitzhak Rabin was killed. I remember it so clearly. I was driving into work. This country was on the verge of civil, civil war. Because a guy with a kippah shot Yitzhak Rabin. I don't know why he wore a kippah, but he thinks it's a fun thing to do, apparently. But he, he shot Yitzhak Rabin. And so every person with a kippah was, was on the focus of, of, of the left wing. And I was driving into work, and they had this chat show. Maybe I was driving back from work, because they don't have chat shows in the morning. And a guy phoned up and he says, I believe in right wing. I'm a right winger, but now that... They shot Rabin on my left winger. And I nearly crashed the car. I said, that's not the lesson. That's not the lesson. Because one was sugar and one murderer does what... That's not the lesson. The lesson is that I disagree, but I respect you. So just because you don't do what I do doesn't mean I don't tolerate you. I don't care about you. That's a mistake of Migdal Babel. We don't just all do the same thing. That's what democracy is, right? That we respect each other, that... That if they win the elections, then I respect that. And if I win the elections, I respect that. We respect it. We tolerate people. That's what achdut is. You can't say I believe in Amisa and achdut and spit on people because they don't keep Shabbos. 
because they're not dressed properly. It doesn't mean you agree with them, but you have to tolerate, you have to be aware that there are other points of view, and that people have Bechira, and that we're one people, which means I tolerate other people. And that is a message that Dora Pladav didn't get. It's a message that they forgot. They thought that the lesson of the Mabon is we should all do the same thing. That's not unity. That's not unity. That's idiocy. That's stupid. Just stupid to do what everyone else is doing and not think. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're part of that people. Every person has a different skill. Every person has a different gift to offer the world. And when all these gifts come together, we create a, a reality. We all have something to give. And that's the aim of unity, and I think that if you look at the Pasha in that way, you can see the Pasha as one unit, not as two extremes, as Rav Sack says, or Nilda Bavela, that dictatorship, as Rav McDonald said, but, but you can actually see that, that this is about understanding what the lessons of the Mabu really were. To care about people doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to smile at them all the time. It means you have to respect their, their right to exist, their right to express. You cannot, ladies, it's Rosh Chodesh, and I always tell our girls, unfortunately, not to go down on the first day of Rosh Chodesh with the women at the wall, right? They, they have their thing, and then the other people come and they scream at them. Well, what's the point? Well, what is the point? They throw bottles at them. Well, what's the point? So we remind God that every Rosh Chodesh, why we haven't got a vegan dash? What's the point? One of our girls, I don't know whether I told you this already this year, such a shocking, one of the most shocking things that I can remember ever happened. It was a week after Yom Yerushalayim, and the week after Yom Yerushalayim is Rosh Chodesh, right? Yom Yerushalayim is the end of, the end of uh, ER, and Rosh Chodesh is a few days later. And Yom Yerushalayim is an incredible event for, for religious Zionists, everyone dancing together, flags, it's the most wonderful day. MTA saw it, please God, you'll see it. Two days later, one of our girls goes to the Kotel. She, she walks into this fight, this fracas at, at the Kotel between women at the wall and a group of, of ultra-Orthodox, so I have no better phrase. And they're, they're throwing bottles at these women. And my student burst out crying. And she's turned around from the Kotel and she's walking back up in tears. One of the Haredi women come up to her, puts her arm, and I said, why are you crying? And so, yeah, she had broken Hebrew, she said, Zer sinat chinam. This is useless hate. In a million years, you wouldn't know the answer she got back from this woman. So a shocking answer. Zelo chinam. Understand what's wrong? Our girl said to her, this is, this is pointless hate. She didn't say it's not hate, she said it's not pointless. And then we asked why we haven't got a big big dash. People who come to Daven there, you might not agree, I, I'm not a, a supporter of, of, of that institution, but you think, what's exactly? Is it, how's it going to solve anything? You think when you smash someone's head on a bottle and say, oh, I realise I'm wrong, I'm not going to do this anymore. You think someone's driving on a road on Shabbos, you throw a stone at their car, they oh, I didn't realize it was Shabbos, I'm not going to do this again. You think that's effective uh, to help Am Yisrael? You think this is going to help? You ever heard of, uh, you see Hasidim do this? Have you ever heard of Baal Shem's story? Have you ever heard of Baal Shem's story at Sudash Lishit? 
When someone stands up to Dashi Shah, I want to tell a story that Baal Shem told, or Rabbi Yitzhak Hamidbadichev, a person in his, in his town wasn't keeping Shabbos. So Rabbi Yitzhak got a stone and he smashed it on his head. Why did Hasidim go wrong? Why is that now the way that if I see someone and I don't think their skirt's long enough, I spit in their face? Is that a Baal Shem Tov story? Is that a Baal Shem Tov story? Is that Rabbi Levi Yitzhak's story? Hasidot was made to, to bring people back. Tolerance, it doesn't mean you agree. It just means you're sensitive to the existence of another human being. And if we all wear the same clothes, and we all speak the same language, that means we're united. That means if a husband and wife, they just hold hands and they walk here and they smile in public, you think that, that everything's good at home because of that? Really? So there are three lessons here that, that we have today that we're walking away with. One is, is that message of, of Rav Meidan. We have to be, be wary of losing our, our rights of speech, not falling under the legs of dictators. They have been directly responsible between Hitler and Stalin. I'm not sure you know the numbers, but we're talking about 50 million people who died in the Second World War because of these two men. They made the pact. They made the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact in August of 1939. They are the direct responsible people for the death of 50 million people. That's the message of Rav Meidan. We have the message of Rabbi Sachs. These extremes, extremes are no good. We need to bring what is good of communism together, which is the good of capitalism. Uh, and my little addition at the end is, is to understand that if something is wrong with society, the, the, answer is to, the answer with you ladies is also tolerance. It's one that I think, of all the things you have to do this year, is, is the, the largest challenge that you have, is living in the kind of situation that you live, and, and not having that, that privacy that you're so used to, that we're all used to. I, my, my son's in yeshiva, just to make you feel a bit better, my son's in yeshiva in Tel Aviv. He shares a, a two-room apartment with 16 boys. He has, he has about two feet to himself. Uh, it doesn't bother him in the slightest. He's obviously my wife's son, not mine. I, 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 but it's an incredible, incredible shiur intolerance and sensitivity. Even ladies, when you're, you, if you happen, you still, your dad's still letting you use your credit card and you're, um, and you're going out on a Monday night, the sensitivity to be inclusive and not exclusive. To make sure that everyone who wants to go somewhere is invited. It's so obvious sometimes to just, and it's natural, right, to just think about the few people. There's always, if you look, if your eyes are open, there's always someone just on the periphery who no one remembers. And everyone goes to have their pizza or falafel, and that person goes back to their room. And they sit in their room. Uh, and it's not because we don't like them, it's just that we're just not socially aware of the existence of other people and the sensitivities, and maybe we're lucky enough never to have been that person who's left behind. It doesn't mean anything, no one means any harm. But if we were just a bit more aware of, of the existence of other people going away for Shabbos. Right? Not everyone has somewhere to go. And some of you have already done this, right? You have somewhere to go, you invite a friend who doesn't have somewhere to go. Uh, it's this awareness of other people, sensitivity towards other people, and, and tolerance. So we, we have much to learn on this week's
Okay. Thank <laughs> you.